Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. Back to the soundtrack to a life. I am still Chris from earlier, if you were listening to us earlier. With me once again is Mike. Say hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Solid. We are here today discussing Cake's 1996 album, Fashion Nugget, an album that I had never listened to in its entirety. Mike, tell me a little bit about your relationship with this piece of music specifically and with Cake in general. My relationship with Cake began with this album. I was a little late to the party. I didn't actually get into this album until about spring of 98, but this was a time and a place album for me. This was, this was Mike just getting ready to graduate high school, just getting ready to get out into the real world. I was, I was already slated to be an apprentice at a theater company and all this sort of thing. I, I felt the world was my oyster and this was the soundtrack to that. Since that time, I've listened more carefully to the lyrics, and I've come to realize that it's everyone, almost every one of these songs is about heartache and unrequited love and, you know, just getting through. There are a few goofy songs that are in there just to keep things up because, it, I mean, in a lot of ways, Cake is a comedy band, but there's a lot of heartache and, you know, forlornness and unrequited love that looking back at that period of time, fits as well. So that's what this album does for me. It harkens me back to Mike, who is now long dead, died many years ago, but, you know, reawakens a little bit of that in me. Nice. Well, I also obviously had heard Cake in my life previous to this. Cake were one of those quintessential mid-late 90s, put it on at a party. Absolutely type bands, like they were from about 1996 to about 2000, the band that you could put on and everyone would like it well enough. I think, I think, yeah, it was this album and their follow-up, Prolonging the Magic, that everyone knew something, at least one song from each of the albums, and it wasn't until their next release, Comfort Equal, where people sort of fell off. Other than, well, no, I'm I'm wrong. Short Skirt Long Jacket came off that next one, Comfort Eagle. Oh, I remember that one. That one, yeah. See, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on, because I've only ever heard Cake at a party. As the singles, um, I've sort of never heard one of the records the whole way through. And I will have to say, like, I am impressed by it. It's really good. There is a very violent femsy feel to it. Like, if Violent Femmes discovered French horn and breakbeats. <laughs> that, now, that's a band I'd listen to. Wow. You did. It's I, cake. It's a, oh, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, they've got, like, this really sort of, in a lot of ways, sleeper humor. Uh, sort of sardonic. It's dark. You listen to something like Race Car Yaya's. And it's, you know, 
like a pair of testicles hanging from your mirror sort of thing is part of the line in there. And you just listen to it. And every time it comes on, I'm like, I can hear the growl of the bad mufflers on the cars with the super huge spoilers that don't need them. And I just go, oh, you, ah, it's, it's such a nice way to say asshole. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. And uh, they do, it's interesting that you refer to them as almost comedy band. Because I have, I have, um, in my notes, uh, it's like they're the missing link between They Might Be Giants and like a fastball. Okay, yeah. Type vibe. They're not taking themselves really, really serious. seriously here. There's like a winking quality to them. I, I mean, there's only one or two tracks that I'd actually say are genuinely serious on the album. The opener, Frank Sinatra, that it just sort of sets a mood. But it, it sets sort of this, it gives you the idea that it is going to be a little bit darker an album just from that track. And then the only genuinely serious one that I can think of is Friend is Four Letter Word. Yeah. Uh, that's, <clears throat> that is, I believe, the lead singer just pouring, literally pouring his heart out. This is another one of the, it's an unrequited love song. And he's just like, this is what came from some instance with some girl. And, he just had to put it into words, sort of thing. Which, and it sounds almost uncomfortable. It does. It's... Like, this is not a band that you expect to ever pour their heart out to you. This is very much in the vein of the slightly, slightly ironic, slightly too clever, a little bit smug, a little bit self-referential bands. Like, I would, I would qualify these guys alongside Presidents of the United States of America, or parts of Bare Naked Ladies, mm-hmm. or about half of Ben Folds. Not so far as the Bloodhound Gang, but very much in that direction. It's for not the douchebags who want to tell you about their CrossFit regiment, but rather the douchebags at the back of the pub, nursing a pint with like a smug, sanctimonious look on their face making fun of the previous douchebags, mm-hmm. as though that makes it better myself, basically, for me. I did very much me. me as well. Um, the self-righteousness. Yeah, 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 it's so great. Uh, what the hell do these people think they are? Yeah. That sort of thing. They're a great band, but they're also a little bit making fun of the idea of being in a band and then playing music. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's... All of their stuff, It's they seem to build it up, and it all gets built up off of clearly off the bass and drums. It's the guitar isn't like front and center on very many of the tracks. No, it's, that's very much it's just sort of added in the mix. The trumpet comes in as sort of flourish. And then he's more talk singing than anything. Like there's not really a great singer by any stretch of the imagination. He's the best singer in the world for this band though. Oh absolutely it, it works <clears throat> perfectly for them. Yeah, like there's uh, a... they made it work. I don't know how they did that, but you can't call what he does singing per se. He definitely doesn't have a three octave range. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. But but he brings a lot of personality to it. Like the two main things that Cake has to differentiate themselves from other music of this style would be a French horn and that dude's weird singing style. And could not imagine this band without either of those things. It's a really important part of the... He does He does this thing... 
I won't give specific examples because he does it over and over again, where his voice vocals come in just slightly behind the song. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like the song is running without him and he's struggling to catch up. And it creates a really loose and vibey feel. It's, uh, I mean, well, that's not something that you learn doing jazz, something like that, where it's standardly in jazz, the bassist will be like well behind the beat. And that's what somehow that's what tells things through the song. Yeah. It's the bassist being behind the beat and trying to catch up sort of thing. And yeah, I can hear what you're saying in terms of his vocals. There's a, a looseness to it. I know they started, I guess all of them started out doing like coffee shop sort of gigs, all this individually, and then came together as a group. That, so it, that is evident from this recording. Yeah, it's, you know, it, they're pretty loose about things. They're not, as you said, they're not serious about it. They're sort of poking fun at the entire thing. So, yeah, and it keeps, it keeps everything very fresh. Mm-hmm. Like if cake had not existed, a record that sounded like this could come out today. Oh, absolutely. I'd... If this record had come out in 1956... Probably also um, would have worked. I wouldn't have been shocked by it. Other think... than the vulgarity, but yeah. Oh, you couldn't get vulgarity on the radio. Well, true. <laughs> you couldn't get vulgarity on the radio in the 90s. That doesn't mean it didn't sound good at a party. Yeah, this is true. They had their radio song, and yeah. uh, they just kind of ran with it from there. And yeah, it is a very, it is a very loose fresh kind of feel like these guys obviously like each other very genuinely and they obviously like working with each other and that kind of warmth and affection they have for each other and for the music that they're making really is front and center on this record Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that i appreciate a lot another part that i i really love about this album is they play around with all sorts of different musical styles they Um, very much do you've got Again, like the opener of Frank Sinatra, where it's it's quite melodic when yeah. it comes to it. And it then, sounds like the soundtrack to a spaghetti western. It it does sort of. It it takes you into this feeling, and then you go into the distance, which is like it's a moving track. It just the bass on that just gets things going. And there's other ones later on where like they're playing like slide guitar it's like super westerny feel it's like twangy country like twangy 50s country sort of thing it's, yeah i could not i could not put my finger down on a genre it was it, uh it, there are jazz elements there are funk elements in some parts yeah i mean they they do a cover of a disco track sure. it's not it's by no means a disco cover yeah but you know, they, they made it their own, but they're just playing around they, with all sorts of styles. They do a cover of a French classic songbook track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Sounds real great. Yep. I would not have known it was a cover had I not heard it as the uh, opening theme to a television series. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was news to me. I didn't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's an old French song, and it was the uh, opening theme to the show Coupling, being performed by uh, Mary Wilson. Uh, there you go. Which is a show that I liked in spite of the fact that I don't know that it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it because it, was, it every, wasn't good. Every sing- I liked it. Every single episode had one speech in the middle that would have made for a really good audition monologue. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then beyond that, it was some real sketchy relationship comedy. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, there where I heard, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps the first time, 
And then as I came in, oh, of course they're going to do a French jazz standard. These guys are just going to do what they do. And yeah. you can either join them on this adventure or not. Yeah. You know, it, it just, there's so many styles to this one, you know. You've got Nugget, which of course is the most vulgar of the tracks on the thing, where it's an indictment of all things idiotic. It's, you know, it, it, and they're not making any bones about it. They're, they're just saying, this is stupid. Don't do any of these things. And, you know, he's basically rapping in that one. Um, yeah, the distance as well. The distance very much so. Uh, and again, I wouldn't say that he is a good rapper. No, he's... he's a, but he is the correct rapper. It, it works for the track. Yeah. It's at, you know, but so many of the tracks, it's just like all of them deal with some sort of unrequited love or... I even take... Italian Leather Sofa, which should just be just, it sounds like it should just be a pure comedy song sort of thing. It's almost like the big screw you to an ex. Like this is, this yeah. is me getting over you. And it's just so overdone. It's, oh, I bought an Italian Leather Sofa and oh, I've got this pretty girlfriend who has, you know, perky breasts oh, and all this. I, I read this as an indictment of that couple. I, See, thought I, think, he, I thought he hated both of them. He's a douchebag. I think His girlfriend's a case. big slice of nothing. I, but I, I always have gotten the feeling that it's, it's either him referring to something he has done as a screw you to an ex, mm-hmm. or something that an ex has done to him. It is, it, I, I, it's probably an actual event that occurred in his life or whatever. It would be my take on it. And he's just like, this is so dumb. Like, why are you doing this? I just took it as a, as a reading of two archetypically shallow people who have and I found it, I found it like weirdly optimistic because here is a love song between two total trash bags. Yeah. Who found each other they to found love. each other and, and now wow, we don't have to deal with them anymore. They, they're just, they're just going to do their they're thing. They're going to laugh, yeah. make money. He'll have a gold watch. She'll have a silk dress and healthy breasts that bounce on his Italian leather sofa. Exactly. It's... Which should not work. It's a lyric. But it does. <laughs> but it does. It very much does. It should bear, it's barely a sentence. <laughs> but it's, it's a here we sentence, are. It's yeah, one of the most memorable lines off the entire album. Was that song, uh, was Italian Leather Sofa on the radio? Was that the radio song? I know The Distance was a radio song. Distance I know. was, I know, uh, I'm pretty sure I Will Survive yeah, was. Yeah. I think Frank Sinatra was one of the other ones that went on. Oh, yeah? Ones that were on the radio, The Distance, I Will Survive, Frank Sinatra, Perhaps, 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 and Friend is a Four-Letter Word. Huh. Friend is a Four-Letter Word, that, that surprises me, because that is a depressing song. <clears throat> yeah, and this is not a band that you would, I would think, go to for, like, naked, yearning sincerity. No, exactly. I like sincerity. Yeah, well, yeah. And, but by like two or three tracks into this cake record. Yeah. I'm just, kind of locked in for a mood. Like, there is nothing playful about that song. Yeah. <laughs> that song, it, it, that one and I Will Survive are like the two that hit me the most in terms of personal connection to this record. That, that is actually, so I just started playing bass about three months before. Okay. Uh, I got the, before I got this record. So I, I heard this and of course it's a simple song. So I, I very quickly learned it. And so 
I had met this girl and we were at a party and I had my bass there and I, for whatever reason, decided to play this song for her. And like, I totally had a crush, I, like I'd had a crush on her from the start and I was never subtle about it. And so I'm playing this ad. I still attribute this song to her and I getting together. And she then eventually became my wife and has since become my ex-wife. Nice. And so, you know, it's, it's all a long story of, Lost love and unrequited, and yeah, that's that's how that one strikes me. So that one always sort of makes me remember that again, eighteen-year-old, just like, hey, yes, I can do this because I can't do that sort of thing now. <laughs> it's that's it. What? I I I, I, I can't I can't serenade someone with my bass guitar with a horrible, admittedly like blatant, hey, why the hell aren't you paying attention to me, song? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know if I've learned more subtlety or I'm just more embarrassed about that sort of shit. I don't feel like subtlety is my thing. Uh, you don't. Well, I mean, you're not a naturally subtle person. No. But also, you've hopefully learned a little bit beyond that. And also, also, you wouldn't do it because by your 30s, it no longer works. Yeah. It. Uh, well, that that's the thing. It's uh, if you show up at somebody's house and play them. In, Song on an acoustic guitar pretty badly. Any age-appropriate yeah. woman would go, "Oh no, I've already had this relationship, my friend. It did not end well for me." <laughs> it's so true, and that's that's why this is very much an album of uh, time and place for me. This is this is eighteen-year-old Mike. I'm like, yeah. oh, I can literally do anything. Yeah, and did and. Succeeded some of the time. Yeah, this uh, is the yeah. soundtrack to a really good house party. Yeah, exactly. So, and you can get that vibe from it. It's a very hmm. Is it a summertimey record, or is it just that most outdoor parties with a soundtrack take place in the summertime? See, I remember first hearing it at a party again at my house. I don't know why I was having so many parties that year, and this would have been like early spring it a group of young playwrights we all got together every weekend and this was decided to have a year-end party or whatever and this, that's when i first heard this album so i don't necessarily associate it with summer yeah no i i associate it more with winter i don't know why huh it just yeah it's more of a winter album for me just i guess lyrically it's more wintry I don't know if that is a coherent statement at all, but that's what I said, and I stand behind it. Solid. <laughs> uh, I like that confidence. Maybe it is Maybe it is just the house party association. Could be, yeah. Because, I mean, you're a high school student. You have summers to yourself. Obviously, you're going to be at a lot of parties the year that this record comes out, and it's on at every party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how they take it from... You got the high energy, uh, because it, Italian Leather Sofa, it's a fairly high energy song all through it. And then you just, you just bring it right down to, uh, sad songs and waltzes. Uh, where, you know, it's like, you won't hear this song on the radio. I want to tell them about how bad you are, but sad songs and waltzes aren't selling this year. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> and it's just such a downer ending. But it works so but also, well. But also, like, it's a downer ending. 
where the chorus is a punchline yeah. about the state of radio pop yeah, the year that it was recorded. <laughs> oh, hey, you can't release that. No one's going to hear this. What are you talking about? And I sort of took that, that sort of became indicative to how I listen to albums. It's like, yeah, I can hear singles on the radio, but the the lost gems are the ones that you'll never hear on the radio. Like, often. You know, so often, it's so many albums that I can think of. There's, you know, there's the radio singles, but for me, The Tourist by Radiohead on OK Computer. Oh, sure. And, which I don't believe was ever done as a radio single. I don't think so. I don't think uh, so. Maybe the best song off that album. Uh, and for me, just as weird as it is, I would have to say Race Car Yaya's off this one. With stick, sh- stick Shifts and Safety Belts is a close second. Because a lot of good cars are Japanese. Yeah, yeah frequently. Yeah, it's... yeah, this song, um, all the tracks work separately. But you don't get a real sense of who these guys are or what they're trying to do. No. If you listen to them that way. They are, again, like Radiohead. I have not listened to one song by Radiohead in probably about 15 years. Yeah. If I want to listen to Radiohead, I will sit down and listen to them nonstop for an hour. They are the quintessential sort of band that prompted me to take up this project. Mm -hmm. Because I'm aware that they release videos. I'm aware that they release songs for radio play. I don't know why. Just buy a Radiohead record and then take it home. Put it on good headphones. Listen to it for an hour. They have something that they're trying to accomplish here, and you're not going to understand what that is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Cake is like that. It does give you a complete emotional experience if you want one, but it also is a collection of tracks, any one of which work on their own. And yeah. it also is a piece that you can put on in the background while you're doing something else and not really think that hard about it. Mm-hmm. And very few albums, I think, work on all three of those levels, which I'm very... For me, yeah, it's the singles are obviously great. The overall album is great. It's one of the few albums that I can put onto my headphones or just in the car if I'm on like a long road trip. I can put it on and just have it on repeat and just keep it going and not have to skip over any of the songs or anything. It's like there's not really a dud in there yeah. overall. And to me, that in and of itself is an accomplishment for an album. Like there's so few that I can say that of. And, you know, I, again, it transports me back. For me, that's the big thing that music does. It's, you know, it's about the memories and the moods. Yeah, I was very surprised by how transported I was for a record that I had never sat down and listened to by the opening strings. Like, this was so omnipresent in 1996, 1997, that I learned most of the songs from this record accidentally. You heard them at this, that, or the other party, or whatever. Ambient. They're in the air. Mm -hmm. This is music that, real talk, white dudes of a certain age who grew up in a certain kind of neighborhood... That's absolutely true. Yep. ...cannot avoid hearing. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back and re-listened to it, I went, oh, 
It sounds like high school. That's nice. It's, uh, yeah, there, uh, there's something to it. It's Why didn't I get more into cake? It's hard to say. It's where, you know, the event where I first heard them and, you know, what I associate with that. And that's what kept me listening to it. Because even, even at 18, I was like, I knew that music was a transport point. Yeah. So I was all three months later, I graduated high school and I was already wistful for... Oh, I wish I could go back to that party and be with those people again. It's like I didn't join these people at university or anything like that, so I wasn't going to be seeing most of these people again for a long, long while. Yeah, that's, if, if ever, to be honest. That's your high school experience. And there was that wistfulness of, oh, can I go back to that? And that's what kept me listening. Then from that listening, new things were occurring while that was happening, and since then, I want to be wistful for that stuff. It's, yeah. You know, and it just seems to snowball for me. That makes a lot of sense. And this is good This is good nostalgic music. It's very much... Uh, it's timeless, but it's very of its time. Very much so, yeah. Um, this is that period in the late 90s where the economy was doing really well and there was not a war happening. And we all agreed that we wanted... Music that was upbeat and positive, mm -hmm. but none of us agreed what that should be. That's exactly right. So we wound up doing an alt country band with break beats and a French horn, or we were all super into ska for like 18 months, or there was briefly a swing revival for whatever reason. I, I, the swing revival was earlier than that, wasn't it? I think it was mid-late 90s. It... I think all the bands existed previous to that, but they all broke simultaneously. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, 94, 95, I yeah, guess, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like, there was no, there was no consensus. For, for how, for how the happy music should be. Yeah, there was definite consensus for how sad music should be. Uh, Nirvana, Nirvana created a template. Nirvana, Radiohead, <laughs> all of these. Yeah, yeah. See the list. It's... We we had very slightly modeling music by somebody who may or may not be addicted to heroin. <laughs> Down. Yeah, absolutely. But then by the tail end of the decade, everything was basically great. It's also like a weirdly fertile period for one-hit wonders. Mm. There were a ton of bands that showed up for like one song, two songs, and then were discarded. I don't see feel like these guys would count as that. No, it, it, because I mean they they kept going through I kept listening to them through Comfort Eagle which would have been 2001 like I was listening to that that was what was playing in the car on the way to the hospital when my daughter was born yeah like, that was still very much a thing and it was from there that they sort of dropped off the radar for me they do have one more album after that but I, I never got into it I mean at that point you had a child well, yeah. yeah it's a, <laughs> at that point, I have to put away childish right. things. It's, you were very busy. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to put away childish things, which admittedly, yeah. cake is. It's, and it's, it's a little bit. It's a little bit. It's playful. It's, it's playful, and it's. I'm not saying that you know, adults, quote unquote, shouldn't embrace that, but there, there's something to it. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, my daughter now at you know nearly 16 years old loves cake. That checks out. That works. Uh, it works perfect for the age range she's in, yep. and it probably will for maybe another five, six years, and then hopefully, you know, she'll find her. She will have developed her own whatever 
it is bands that will make her wistful. Yeah, <laughs> for previous experiences. Exactly. Yeah, she will listen to who who is there now. I mean, like Twenty One Pilots. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't That's... know. I would really have to be a sixteen-year-old discovering music for the first time. Yeah. Like you don't get to have that kind of raw visceral experience with a band that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life yeah past a certain age it's it's so true because like, like if radiohead or if cake had come out when i was say 10 years older it wouldn't have hit me because i was busy doing my adult thing yeah and if it, it just I didn't have time for the radio. I didn't have time to devote to, hey, here's this new album that could be incredible. And yeah, it's, that's just not a thing anymore now in my thirties. Yeah. Know, it's, there's never going to be another one of those. Yeah. Or may, maybe there will be. I don't, I can't say, but I want to say no. Like I want to say that the best music that the world has ever produced or will ever produce is the music that you specifically liked when you were 17. That is when you are most susceptible to all the messages to the and yeah. to the impact of music. The music today is definitely something. I mean, it's great. Young people who are the target for popular music love it. Absolutely. Love it. And in twenty years they will have a good fix on what parts of it were actually good and what parts of it they're embarrassed by. Mm -hmm. But to say that it was actually qualitatively better. When I was 17, rather oh, than to right. just say, I was 17 and more susceptible is, to pop music. This is what was popular. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it was better or anything like that. It's, none of this, you know, our parents, oh, I turned down that noise. No, it's... Yeah, you can't. No, it's... And I mean, our parents were doing the same thing. Like, well, precisely, you know, it's it, it really informs on, okay, I take a look at my parents' record collection and, okay, the, the stuff that was still there when I was you know, old enough to know what it was, that's the stuff that was impactful for them when they were in their late teens to early 20s sort of thing. You know, stuff, you know, Simon and Garfunkel and Bob Dylan and stuff like this. That that informs on that. So, yeah. yeah. And it's um, hard to argue that the music that I listened to in high school is qualitatively better than actual Nobel Prize winner Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a exactly, difficult yeah, argument yeah, for me to make. You're, you're not going to win that one, I don't think. I mean, I, yeah. I guess... But I, I would 1,000%, I could sit down and name conservatively 30 records released in 1995 specifically that I would rather listen to than any Bob Dylan record. Yeah. Because oh, yes. that it, is... The stuff he's singing about doesn't hit to us yeah. because it wasn't a thing for us. I was not in that strike zone. Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan was somebody who was very much enjoyed by 26-year-old me browsing a record store going, why the hell haven't I gotten into Bob Dylan yet? I'm aware he's one of the most important artists of his century. Mm -hmm. I should get on with it. <laughs> and then take it home, listen to it. Yeah, this is good. He's really good. Well, he's a really good lyricist. None of this is news. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Bob Dylan's got... Bob Dylan's got uh, the Nobel Prize. Uh, Radiohead finally got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Yeah. So as well, they we, should. We've got something at least for our era. I don't know that there's many others from our era of of that. Well, I mean, time. No, they're still nominating '80s bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I'd, I'd say that Radiohead is probably the latest band, like latest starting band that yeah. I've seen nominated recently. Yeah, so. like Kate Bush got nominated for the first time this year. The Talking Heads got in quasi recently. Yeah. Like they're they're following along. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's a, I think there's like a waiting like that specifically has to be twenty years from start of band. I f- I think there's there's some sort of qualification like that in terms of rock and roll that, thing. That makes sense. It gives you the opportunity to um, see a band's entire career. Basically, yeah. I mean, um, most bands lasting like Radiohead lasting very well. They're yeah past twenty years now. Yeah, they're past twenty five years at this point. So. Most bands aren't still being prolific, and admittedly, you know, Cake, their most recent album, I think, was 2011, and I think it's mostly just singles, like just a couple singles, not not quite a best of, but there's a couple new tracks, and then mostly revamps of older songs. Mm, That makes sense. It makes sense to me that they would do that. I think that is one of the upsides of a band who is built as much around their genuine affection for one another and the music that they're playing mm-hmm. is they get as they enter into their second act or third act, they can probably tour without a record. If they want to play a bunch of shows together because they want an excuse to hang out for a couple of months, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people uh, like you. Oh, if, if, if Cake was to, to <clears throat> announce that they were coming to play at Calgary, I would absolutely drop everything. I would, I would yeah. want to go see that show. Yeah, um, and they and the fact and the fact that they aren't touring in support of any material, I feel like would make zero difference. Like I feel like yeah, if they came if they came here in two thousand eleven, having just released a new album of new material, you might go to the show, but then not buy the record. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that would very much be the case because, of course, by that point, you just want them to play Freebird, sort of thing. Yeah, it's it, play Freebird. All you want to hear are the big singles. Not the new stuff. You don't. You don't want to do that. You don't go to a concert like that. That's what people. You know, foreigner is constantly touring, and all of these bands from mid to late eighties yeah. are now in. I would say, Cake releasing. You know, a couple new tracks plus singles is, like you said, the second act. Foreigner is well and truly into their third act, where they know they don't have to release anything. They don't have to play no. anything new for anyone because no, they all came, anyone wants to hear is the old stuff. They came to town. Were they were they in the saddle dome? I don't know. Wouldn't shock me if they were. Like they definitely Yeah, it might have been. Have a huge innate fan base. Oh, probably Grey Eagles. That makes sense. Grey Eagles that makes sense. It seems to be the new Grey go-to. Eagle yeah. exists for that. It seems to be the new go to for that for that type of event. That makes sense. Huey Lewis plays there. Every heart played. So. There, you know, all these various people, yeah. All the, again, all of these people from back in the 80s, they had a very famous band. But, yeah, no, I mean, I don't necessarily look to have more cake, like new cake. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're a part of your life. Trying to do something that was not connected to that part of your life. Yeah. Is almost self-defeating. Trying, Um, trying to regain that feeling. Like, 20 years later, trying to regain that feeling yeah. with a new Cake album? 
I, it, you don't need a, you don't need new nostalgia. No, it's you want to remember what you were doing in high school, and a new Cake album would do nothing for you. You're not. No, it's in it, high school. It's just not going to impact me in, in nearly the same. No, that so, makes sense. I know, I know on their later stuff, they, they started doing more and more covers, and they did a particularly good one of the guitar, in Guitar Man. I think it's off Comfortable. And yeah, their covers have always been very good. Very interesting. Uh, they really make a song on their own. I would take an entire album of them doing covers. One second. Sure. Yeah, I think an album of covers by these guys would be fun. It, they could do all manner of covers. I know I've heard, I think it's off like a B-Sides thing that they released at one point. They did a cover of Menomina. <laughs> sure. And, and it's just hilarious. And they're using like, they go through it like probably 20 times because of course it's only like 20 bars long or something like that. And just every time they, like the guitarist uses a new effects pedal and like the trumpet player is doing this, that, or the other thing weird. And it's just hilarious. I would take an entire album just of covers, just, just for the comedy of it. Yeah. And, these... and honestly, I will survive. You know, he, he put his heart into yeah. that one and you can hear it. The dude owns a cover. Like this, well, yeah. this band really knows how to take a song and make it their own. Yeah. Their version of I Will Survive. Glory Gaynor hates it. Really? She, uh, yeah, because of the profanity. Oh, that makes sense. One oh, word. Right. One word. She's very religious now. Yeah, of course. So, so she hates her, uh, their version, but I, I can't think of an, another better version by anyone. I can't actually think of any other version by anyone. But. I mean, yeah. And their version of perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Now uh, that I know that's sounds a cover, tremendous. I'm going to have to go. Uh, if there's a third cover on that album that I missed, it would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. I know they did Guitar Man on Comfort Eagle, and I think there's a cover on Prolonging the Magic. I can't remember what it was, though. Prolonging the Magic sort of just flew past me because it came out about two months after I finally discovered Fashion Nugget. Mm. And like I, like I said, I was late to the party. I, I, hit it in, like, spring of 98, and then Prolonging the Magic came out, like, two months later, and I was still in love with Yeah, Ash you were still, Ash. you were still interacting with their first. Yeah, so it was like, okay, so. But yeah, no, their covers are always wicked. Yeah, and they do feel like that. They feel like they're designed for that. I sort of get the feeling that they're sort of the West Coast Hootie and the Blowfish, like the perfect college band. Like, they're just, just I'll buy that. I'll buy that. They could go and play every single West Coast college in the States and probably just make a killing. And it, you know, just doing covers I'm sure they and do. doing I'm their stuff. I'm sure they do. Exactly. So. They're like Hootie and the Blowfish, but without like the earnestness. Yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish <laughs> take themselves very seriously. These guys totally don't because they're so West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're a coffee shop band. Yeah. They're formed in a coffee shop. That's what they did before. Yeah. That's literally. What they might be doing right, right now. now. The, the, we, we, could, we could be missing their show right now. That's a shame. Ah, oh, damn it. We should spend more time in West Coast coffee shops? Yeah. Is that the takeaway that I'm supposed to be getting from this? I don't have the money or the love of avocados for that. Nor I, although avocados are thoroughly okay. <laughs>
What a shining... <laughs> and that, if you what can take anything away... Yeah. What an endorsement. Wow. <laughs> uh, but we are approaching uh, 45 minutes. All right. So I guess I should ask myself. Well, uh, I, I can ask you. So, ask away. So having listened to uh, Fashion Nugget, would you continue listen, listening to it? Oh, 100%. I, I was aware of these guys. I enjoy uh, listening to Fashion Nugget quite a lot. I will 100% be listening to them again. All right, and would you be looking to uh, listen to other Cake stuff? Like, they do have one prior album, which is really weird. I didn't even mention it because of that. It's it's just way out there. And then, like, three albums after that. So would you listen to some of their other stuff? I think I would. What is, what is in your opinion, the second best Cake record? The second best one would be Motorcade of Generosity, their first album, uh, which came out, like, 94. It is a very different sound. It's not nearly as polished. But, like, the humor is there. Weird tracks about, like, throwing yourself off a building. Like, <laughs> like, a, like a dove, and you're either going to spread your wings or you're going to crash the concrete. Stuff like that. It's, it's weird. Let me re-ask the question. <laughs> Having enjoyed Fashion Nugget, and gone on record saying, I am not going to these guys to think very hard or look for sincerity. <laughs> what is the second best cake record? Motorcade of Generosity. Solid. Yep. All right, I'm going to get it. And I think playing us out tonight, uh, we are going to go with Italian Leather Sofa. This has been the soundtrack to a life. I have been Chris. With me has been Mike. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at SoundtrackCast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. Review us, rate us, tell your friends about us. Do you want to come back and do this again in a couple months? That sounds good to me, yeah. Sound. Uh, we will be back to do this again. And until you see me next, it's weird that you see me because this is an audio. Good night. She doesn't care whether or not he's an island. Doesn't care just as long as his ship's coming in. Alright, here it comes. Here it comes. She doesn't care whether or not he's an island. They laugh, they make money. He's got a gold watch. She's got a silk dress and healthy breasts that bounce. On his Italian leather sofa